What's up, fight fans? It's your boy Tommy here, and we're back, finally, with the Ginger Beer Fightcast. Episode 8, I believe we're at currently, and let me tell you, it's been a hot minute between episode 7 and episode 8, but we're finally back, guys. We're finally back, um, recording again, uh, been a while, I know, um, been toing and froing a little bit over the last little bit about how to how to start the first podcast back, but I think first and foremost, guys, what I should say is um, give a big thank you to anyone over the last few months who's hassled me, who's asked about where the podcast was, um, people who listened in the beginning who wanted the back, um, anyone who actually really gave a shit about what I had to say <laughs> in some sort of a recorded format about fights uh, or anything like that. Um, a big thank you to anyone who's tuned in and who wanted me to bring the podcast back again, you know? Um, it was a weird thing. Uh, I never intended to really start a, you know, a, a regular podcast. I don't even know what I wanted to start, you know? I remember back when I first started the Gingerbeard Firecast page, it was just sort of a way for me to chat some shit about fights, really, and whether that was doing breakdowns of fights, uh, chatting to people, uh, just waxing lyrical about what I thought about the game, etc. You know, it ended up turning into, you know, starting a bit of a podcast, you know, in that crazy sort of um, pandemic period last year. Um, you know, as we all saw the, the meteoric rise of Zoom last year, you know, that was a very uh, helpful tool for me, particularly when I was living in rural Victoria and needed some way to, to interview and podcast with people. And, you know, that was a really big, useful tool for me. And, you know, I always wanted to interview people, you know, in person, but at the time it wasn't possible. So, yeah, anyway, first and foremost, a huge thank you to anyone who actually gave a shit about anything I had to say. A huge thank you to any people who are actually hassling me to bring it back. You know, when I say hassling, I say that lightheartedly. You know, it's means a lot to me to think that, you know, people actually care about anything that I've got to say about fight sports. And, you know, I thought, bugger it, let's bring it back, huh? So, first and foremost, why did we take a bit of a sabbatical, I suppose? It all comes down to a number of things, guys, you know? Um... Just being busy, guys, you know, at the end of the day, you work full time, you train five, six days a week, you know, on you know, your lunch break and after work as well, you know, you come home and then by the time, you know, you fit in, you know, family time at home and things like that, it takes so much time out of your day. But, you know, realistically, is there going to be, you know, 45 minutes I could fit into a week to podcast? Absolutely. So that's where a bit of laziness comes into it as well, you know. Laziness, complacency, one of those things where, you know, you just drop off and, you know, okay, missed it this time. Well, you know, I'll get back to it sooner rather than later than the weeks and months and, you know, all of a sudden almost a year goes by and you haven't recorded jack shit. You know, if you look back at the page, really every only stuff I've recorded has been for the last couple of McGregor fights, realistically, which is very casual of me. I know, you know, I'm turning into one of those filthy casuals, but, you know, Realistically, that was the stuff that people were asking me to break down. So I said, sure, I'll do that. But at the end of the day as well, when I think back to why I started the page, you know, I didn't start the page to break down things that 
other people wanted to see. I sort of wanted to break down the stuff that I wanted to break down, you know. I never started it because I wanted to start, you know, getting these Joe Rogan numbers and things like that. I just started the page to chat shit about fight sports and I think that translated in the start and, you know, maybe I got too fixated on, you know, how many people were watching and things like that. It's it's fucking hilarious because, you know, you'd put the podcast out. I was just doing on YouTube at the time and you put the podcast out and within the first, you know, hour, you'd have 10 people say, hey, man, I really love the podcast. And you look at the views and like seven people have watched. You're like, okay, well, how many have you actually fucking watched it? So it's one of those things. Maybe I got too focused on that sort of stuff and how many people were watching and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's tough, you know, when you're trying to organize guests sometimes as well. You know, you've got to be able to, you know, book into these people who've got really busy schedules, you know. And, you know, they're being generous enough to give you their time. So you've got to work around them a little bit as well. But then when you're working full-time, it can be a hard thing to do as well. You know, when you're doing it over Zoom, as I was, you know, to have a, a, over a 40-minute meeting on Zoom without it cutting out, you need to pay for a subscription. And, you know, when you're saving for a wedding, which I am, uh, you need to cut down on as many costs as possible. So all these sort of things sort of rolled into not doing the podcast for a while. But you guys don't give a fuck about that. All we really give a fuck about is that we're back now. We're going to be on all your favorite podcast platforms like Anchor and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to your, your podcasts, you should be able to get the Ginger Beard Fightcast on there now. So what are we going to be doing now? Uh, you know, obviously, when we're doing an audio form, there's not really going to be as many, you know, uh, on-camera interviews, which is fine. You don't have to see my ugly mug on your screen, uh, which is good. Um, what we're going to do, guys, I'm sure we'll do a lot of interviews as well. Um, you know, we'll bring back, you know, in-person uh, podcasting with other people, you know, which would be a lot of fun. You know, nothing can mimic the in-person chemistry, you know, of uh, a one-on-one or however many people you want to podcast with. Nothing can mimic that. You can't get that on a Zoom call. You can't get that on Instagram Live. You know, in-person is the best way to do it. So I'm sure we'll be doing some of that. Um, and absolutely keep me up with who you guys want me to have on as well. You know, I want to get around and I'm happy to drive around and see people and meet up with people and, you know, really go out of my way to make sure that we get the best possible content and best possible um, podcasts, uh, quality podcast guests, I should say, going as well. Um, I suppose what it does as well, you know, when I'm just doing straight of recording is it gives me a bit more of an opportunity as well to just wax lyrical when I really feel like it, just switch it on and rant which is what we're going to do today you know um we're going to get into some of the fights from today as well and chat about those in a minute as well um because they were some insane fights but yeah we'll just do some breakdowns we'll do some analysis we'll do some previews not just ufc fights we'll chat about some bellator boxing kickboxing we might even do you know competitive jiu-jitsu um analysis breakdowns as well we'll chat about all sorts of things guys um, you know, in terms of how regularly we'll do it, you know, if we do it once a week, twice a week, once a fortnight, whatever, we'll just see how it works out and, you know, how much, you know, we'll just, how often the fights that interest me come up, you know, to be honest, there are fights that I honestly could give a fuck breaking down sometimes, you know, sometimes you get cards where there's, you know, only a couple of good fights on there and you really can tell the UFC have phoned it in. Other times you've got some 1FC cards on the Friday nights and Bellator on the Saturday, UFC on the Sunday. And, you know, we might have to go, you know, a couple of times a week. But anyway, we'll figure this all out as we go along, guys, you know. Um, I should really give a shout out as well um, 
to the sponsors who are supporting the podcast and who are going to stay on. So, uh, guys, make sure that you support uh, the Alchemist Lab because uh, they support us here at the podcast. Um, the Alchemist Lab have been with us, you know, almost since we started. Guys, go to the link in my bio. Um, I've put their Instagram handle in my bio. They put out all sorts of products, um, you know, pharmacy formulated products, um, pure ingredients. So there's not all sorts of shit that you can't trust in there. Um, some of the favorite uh, stuff of mine that they do is the magnesium creams and the magnesium oils as well. Um, you know, I, I like having the creams and the oils, particularly after some hard training sessions, to be able to put them on problematic areas that are really sore and cramping and stuff like that. You know, if you're in the midst of fight camp as well, obviously you're going to have those bumps and bruises and knocks and those sort of things as well. So they're some of my favourites. Um, other skin products as well, you know, if you're getting uh, some staff and, you know, other skin issues and things like that from doing heaps of jiu-jitsu. Those are things that, you know, you can really use as well. And I've found really useful um, since I've been using their products as well. Uh, magnesium bath salts as well, if you're cutting weight and things like that. I've used them, you know, after hard weeks training as well, and I feel great. So make sure you go to the Instagram handle for the Alchemist Lab. Uh, I've chucked in my bio. Make sure you check out all this stuff. Support local, guys. You know, at the, the moment, it's always really important to support local and buy local if you can. And their products are really top quality as well. So I couldn't recommend it enough. Um, you know, hit me up if you want to have any questions about anything that they sell. And if I've used it, I'll absolutely give you um, my input on what I think. And chuck them a message as well, guys. You know, I know the guys and they're really friendly. And yeah, absolutely, guys. Check them out for sure. Uh, as well, if there's anyone wanting to come on board and support the Gingerbeard Firecast as well, absolutely. Reach out, get in touch. Um, particularly, you know, if you're South Australian locals, you know, love supporting locals who support us, all right? Anyway, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's talk about the UFC card that uh, took place over the weekend. Uh, TJ Dillashaw coming back after his uh, over two-year layoff it ended up being against Corey Sanhagen. And wow, what a fucking wild fight this was. Let's talk about the, the main event first and then work back through some of the other fights. So let's look at TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen. Spoiler alert, guys, if you don't want results, make sure you don't listen because uh, we're going to talk about the results and we're going to break down the fights as well. All right. So TJ Dillashaw ended up taking a split decision over Corey Sanhagen in a fight that realistically could have gone either way. I had it 2-2 going into the fifth and the fifth round was about as close as you could get. Saw a lot of people who saw scored it for Sanhagen. Personally, I lent towards TJ. I, I would need to watch the fifth round back again. The only reason I initially sort of scored it for TJ is because all night they'd really been scoring uh, towards people who had grappling dominance, which is something we'll get into a little bit later on as well. So I sort of, when I got to the end of the fight, I thought, okay, it's probably going to go that way. You know, Sanhagen probably throughout the fight landed some of the the hardest shots, but let's sort of go through the fight as it went and, you know, chat about it. So in the first round, you know, TJ really sort of uh, was positionally quite strong in terms of getting some good positions and things like that. But Corey Sanhagen came out really dynamically, you know, flying knees, wheel kicks, spinning attacks, things like that. He sort of really came out really dynamically and you know, TJ took advantage of a lot of those, you know, times where Sanhagen would uh, put himself out of position or out of balance 
and, you know, really try to score off that. Landed, a, you know, some hard shots as well on the feet. Um, we probably didn't see TJ bouncing and shifting as much as he did in his Barrow fights and things like that, I thought, even in the first round. Um, but, yeah, still managed to, you know, look good on the feet after all that time away as well. Sandhagen, um, in the first rounds, particularly on the ground as well, really went after attacking the legs. Um, was really trying to, you know, invert for some, you know, leg lock style attacks you could see. Um, the first couple that he did, he wasn't really successful in trying to get them. He couldn't quite invert around enough. It, it appeared to me, and once again, um, you know, I'm no fucking black belt, but it appeared as though when he was inverting, he wasn't using his top leg enough to keep uh, TJ off of him. So when he was in like a half guard, you know, um, scenario and trying to invert the leg, he wasn't using that top leg in like a niche, high knee shield sort of style to keep him off. And then when he was going for K-guard style inversions as well, similar thing, you know, um, using that top leg and knee and shin in your opponent's chest and armpits and things like that to be able to frame them off so to, you know, keep them from punching you and, you know, fighting your hands and things like that and stacking you, all that sort of stuff. Um, the successful um, leg entry that he got was off a triangle attempt. Um, you know, TJ postured up out of the triangle and then Sandhagen sort of inverted around to a matrix style position, you know, where a lot of times you could take the back, you know, particularly in the gi when you can grab the belt and things like that. But it ended up getting into like a 50-50 position and you could tell TJ wasn't too concerned with it to start with. He was sort of stuffing the feet down and trying to, you know, um, put a lot of pressure into land uh, punches from the top. But really towards the end, uh, might have been with about, you know, under ten, under 20 seconds left to go maybe. Um, Sandhagen actually got a bite on the heel and really sort of got a good bit of talk in there by the looks of it. And at the end of the round, you could see as well that when TJ stood up, he was limping and he did not look to be in a great spot at all. I think he even said to his corner that his knee popped. Um, if you look at the actual leg lock itself, um, Sandhagen was quite stacked still. Um, and he, but he had a great bite of the heel. He managed to be able to bridge his hips by a decent amount by the looks of it, but it looked as though his leg positioning um, wasn't uh, ideal to be able to actually uh, break the leg. Um, it looked as though like uh, the leg he had on the outside didn't have any connection to Dillashaw's leg. And, you know, to be able to keep his legs obviously in a good position where he can isolate the actual knee for that inside 50-50 heel can uh, cause the break there. But you could really tell that took it out of Dillashaw because he really didn't have much movement in the second round. His bouncing really looked awkward. And yeah, and then basically Sandhagen boxed the fuck out of him in the second round, just landing, you know, long straight punches. She dropped him once as well. Um, you know, I thought you could make the argument that the second round was a 10-8 round for Sandhagen. Didn't end up being that way, but, you know, um, that was a really quite a dominant round for him. Um, so yeah, he was boxing him up at range, um, you know, landing a lot of flying attacks too. Flying knees were a big thing for him. In the first round, he landed a flying knee into like a reverse triangle. Um, and in the second round, he just was, you know, moving back and moving around and he walked Dillashaw onto a flying knee perfectly. And Dillashaw's got a fucking chin, man, because he landed that flying knee flush. And you saw what that did to Frankie Edgar. Uh, so, you know, after two years off, obviously, you know, not having heaps of, uh, you know, back and forth wars in the cage is going to do a little bit for your, your chin as well, I suppose. 
But Sanhagen, he really was fighting very freely. And while that worked really well for him, it did get him into a lot of trouble as well. And I know everyone is, every man and his dog is going to talk about the the spinning tax and how it gave up his back as well. So not only with the spinning attacks giving up his back, but he was giving up his back when any clinch or takedown uh, attempt from Dillashaw came. You know, instead of sort of sprawling, Sandhagen would almost lift his arms up to let TJ circle around to the back. And then he would either try and fight the hands or he would Granby roll um, out. And in the first round, that worked really well. Those sort of really awkward scrambles that he created by with the grambying and things like that but Dillashaw I thought adjusted really well um, whenever he got that back body lock he would sort of really lock his hands and drive um, Sanhagen into the fence so then that Granby rolling um, didn't couldn't really get him anywhere um, and then Dillashaw was doing a lot of kneeing to the thigh and things like that we didn't see as much uh, of Sanhagen grabbing uh, the Kimura from the back like a Sakuraba style as he has done some other fights, he was almost really trying to fight the hands, which he was struggling to do, um, to break the hands, but then he would sometimes spin inside of that body lock as well and circle out as well. So in terms of the actual you know, rounds, I thought that Dillashaw won rounds uh, one and three, and Sanhagen you gave two and four. One of the judges gave Dillashaw round four, which I saw, and I didn't understand that at all. I thought probably you know, the right decision. I thought it was probably the right decision. It, who knows? That fifth round could have gone either way. No one can really complain about that fifth round. Um, if you want to look at, you know, positionally, Dillashaw obviously did more positionally in terms of taking the back. And you can say, well, what did he do with the back? Did he, you know, put those hooks in? Did he get heaps of takedowns? doesn't matter. Having the back is a, a dominant position. It's not just pinning someone against the fence with a, an under over. You're actually on their back with a back body lock. That's a dominant position. And if Sandhagen's going to give that to you, then that's, you know, you have to be able to work out of that pretty quickly. You know, obviously, Sandhagen, if you want to go through the fight, he landed the more significant shots. You know, obviously, the, that really close submission attempt in round one and then all of the punches and damage he landed throughout the fight. Bear in mind, though, that Dillashaw did land a lot of low kicks. You know, Sandhagen was obviously waving him on with those low kicks, but then not defending them. You know, obviously with the movement-based style as well, you're not going to be stationary enough to be able to check those leg kicks consistently. You know, that was, you know, something that if you want to go back and look at something like the the first Shogun versus Lyoto Machida fight, any time that Machida would retreat, Shogun would just punt that retreating leg. So when you're switching stance and moving around heaps, it's always going to be hard to check the leg kick. You know, you need to be stepping your leg back and out of the way and changing stance at the right time and things like that. So... Dillashaw did land his significant strikes too, but you know if you want to look at the significant shots overall, I, I think you'll find that Sanhagen was doing the more damage on the feet. But I thought it was probably the best fight I've seen, at, at least in 2021. Um, you know, Obviously, recency bias is a hell of a thing, but I can't recall um, a better fight in terms of excitement and in terms of skill as well. It, these weren't just two guys on, you know, the first fight of the night on the early prelims that were just, you know, fucking throwing everything but the kitchen sink. You know, these were two highly skilled guys. You know, these are the two, you know, the two top, two of the top five guys in either the most or in the top three most talent stacked divisions in martial arts at the moment, 135. So, 
you know, the skill level and the technique and the actual excitement and how they fought. It was just a tremendous fight, you know, exciting grappling, exciting stand-up, exciting everything. Yeah, tremendous fight. I need to go back and watch it again, basically. Um, let's go back and have a look through some of the other fights as well. So uh, full disclosure, Phillips versus Paver. Uh, I didn't really watch too much of that one. I had to have a, a shower because I stunk, and that's the fight that I picked because <laughs> I wanted to watch all of the others. Um, but by the sounds of it, you know, from what I saw, it looked like Phillips had a really dominant first rounds, uh, which by the sounds of it should, should have scored him a 10-8. Um, but yeah, I'm just seeing a lot of Phillips getting robbed online. So I'm going to have to go back and watch that one as well. Um, Darren the Damage Elkins versus uh, Minna. My God, what a fight. Uh, and as per, Elkins gets the shit beaten out of him for the first and you know, round and, you know, comes back and does it. You know, I saw a stat on Twitter today that in the second round, Elkins landed 94 strikes to Minna's zero, whether it's 94 significant or 94 total, but 94 to zero in strikes in the second round. That's fucking amazing. You could tell this Minna guy is a really good uh, attacking grappler as well. You could tell he felt really comfortable in that front headlock position, dropping back the guillotines and things like that, much to the dismay of his corner. However, I do respect dropping back uh, for a guillotine and giving up position because I like to do that myself. But, you know, you can see that, you know, he has some real grappling skill, even small things like when uh, Elkins was trying to scoot back to his feet and sitting up to his butt, you know, um, Minna would reach across behind his back and grab his far wrist, you know, to get that, you know, uh, diagonal controller and things like that, you know, to stop him from escaping. Um, yeah, sensational. Um, there was a point in that, that second round where a, uh, you know, uh, Elkins managed to f- fight off one of his offensive positions. It, positions. it might have been when he dropped back for the guillotine or something like that and he came up and, yeah, Elkins just got the, the dominant position and just fucking smashed him. So, you know, Elkins fights, man. When are these guys going to learn that, you know, just because you can get some stuff on him in the first and a bit of the second round doesn't mean that you're going to beat him, you know? It's almost as though you just need to, like, ride out a boring decision. Not a boring decision, but a dominant decision if you want to beat him, you know? Because it's you're going to be hard-pressed to finish Darren Elkins, man. He's the fucking man. And last but not least, uh, Yanez versus Costa. This is originally going to be on the prelims before... Um, the uh, Aspen Lad fight got pulled from the co-man event. But the um, the Yanis vs. Costa fight, this is one that the hardcores are really looking forward to. What this was really was um, like a skill versus output contest. It was originally billed as, you know, Randy Costa, if you look at his stats, uh, I think I saw this on Morning Combat during the week, is that he sort of puts out, uh, you know, early UFC Gaethje numbers, you know, before he really dialed back you know, his, his offense, but, you know, really just putting out some ridiculous amount of strikes and, and absorbing a lot of strikes too. But, you know, Randy Costa's really active in his striking and things like that. And Yanez, you know, I, I must admit, I've, you know, seen a little bit of his fights, but he is like a really skillful fighter as well. And that's the big rap on him. But in that first round, you wouldn't have known it was that way because Costa just boxed him and jabbed him up in that first round as well. He was just picking him apart from the outside you know, Yanis couldn't get his range at all. You know, Costa was just picking him apart. And it's almost like he came out too hot too early because, you know, Yanis sort of, um, you know, wore that storm 
and then ended up coming back in the, the second round. And, you know, you, there was at some point where Costa just went back into his shell. So I, I need to go back and find exactly what it was that, you know, started it. Something must have hurt him, which really made him go back into his shell. But Giannis sort of landed these two hard body shots and then dropped an uppercut right through his guard and put him down. You know, those two guys, Giannis in particular, you know, he's a, a, a real prospect in that uh, division. And Costa's a massive, massive dude for that division as well. And, you know, Giannis managed to, you know, put him away. So, yeah, those guys were sensational. Um, and sorry, I shouldn't say last but not least because I need to talk about the Macy Barber versus Miranda Maverick fight. Uh, straight up, I thought that uh, Maverick won that fight. Uh, I thought that, you know, Macy Barber won the third round and I thought Maverick won rounds one or two. Um, obviously, the point of contention is going to be that second round. You know, I thought that, you know, while Barber got a little bit of good grappling offense in that round, I thought that uh, Maverick ended the round with two hooks in, beating on her from the back, which is a way more dominant position than what Barber got at all. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I did, I, I, you know, it's hard to say that many people on this card, you know, got robbed as such because there were such close fights, a lot of them, but I really thought that Maverick did get robbed in that one, but... Anyway, once again, I need to watch all these back. You know, I, I must admit, I didn't watch any of the prelims because, frankly, fuck getting up at 5.30 to watch the prelims. I can go back and watch those later. You know, got to watch them at 8.30, so I need to go back and watch some of them again. So, yeah, um, guys, that's really all I've got for you today. Um, I, I originally wasn't going to talk about the fights from today, but I didn't want to just uh, selfishly make it an episode where I talk about myself. Um yeah, so guys, really, this is just me, uh, you know, breaking in my training wheels again for the podcast. I'm very rusty, in case you haven't, uh, haven't noticed. You know, <laughs> it took me ages to actually turn the recording button on because uh, I was just so nervous. I don't know what I was nervous about, but, you know, anyway, I just get nervous because I want to put the best product out for you guys that I can. But, yeah, anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, I'll be back. As uh, soon as I can to chat about the fights coming up. I don't know what the next one is. I think the next fight is, uh, oh, I don't know, there's one more fight night and then it's um, Garn versus Lewis and Nunez versus Pena. So that'll be a good card. But yeah, what we'll try and do, guys, we'll try and put out, you know, one a week, maybe midweek, you know, breaking down uh, the fights that have just happened. Or maybe we can put them out on the Sunday night, breaking out the fights that have uh, just happened as well. But yeah, anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in and I'm sure I'll speak with you soon.